Hello and welcome to Agents of Nonprofit. My name is Alexander Lapa, and I'm here to speak with everyday superheroes helping nonprofits. Joining me today is Matthew Reynolds of Rustic Roots to talk about marketing with video. Ryan, not Ryan. I'm already confusing you. I've already cracked the joke. I was going to ask Matthew if there's any relationship to Ryan Reynolds, and I screwed it up from the very beginning. But Matthew, thank you and welcome for joining us. Oh, thanks for thanks for having me. No, there's no relation to. <laughs> to Ryan, though we are Mint Mobile customers, and I've convinced my kids that um, he is Uncle Ryan, and I'm hoping that uh, I can keep that going as long as I can. That's awesome. And as I mentioned in the pre-show, it's a great way to introduce yourself, even if it's there's no actual relationship. It's a great way. It's it's a wonderful last name. You're very fortunate to have it. So use it. Use what you got. Definitely. So uh, let's get to the beginning. Let's. I love to start ask by asking the question: What is your superhero origin story? That is to say, how did you get started working with nonprofits? Yeah. So we. Um, I started uh, Rustic Roots about eight and a half years ago, and really the the thing that got me started was doing a lot of work with our with our church um, and doing a lot of uh, work with different nonprofits off and on, and started to kind of see that the the nonprofits that we that we talked to um, always had a, a need for creative in general but specifically video but that a lot of a lot of times it wasn't really accessible I really wanted to do do work uh, that made an impact and work that uh, could could help the help the community uh, and so I was looking around for different opportunities actually applied at a international missions agency and they had a the video position open uh, and it was uh i never even heard of of a, a video position in in a nonprofit like that applied did not um, did not get get the job uh, they went a different different direction but i talked to a friend of mine that also didn't get the job the same job and so we thought hey if we're if we're both in it to to make a difference and really want to do something more than just your your standard you know video production career path, uh, maybe we should team up um, and do the thing that we wanted to do at the at this agency, but do it for lots of agencies. And so we we started actually had a meeting Giving Tuesday 2014 and uh, had a meeting discussed it, and then in March of that next year uh, we launched Rustic Roots, and since then. Um, he's gone a little bit different different path, uh, but uh, we've been helping organizations since since then. Have helped about a little over a hundred different nonprofits over the past eight and a half years. That's a really cool origin story to to combine forces with someone else who was was vying for the same opportunity. And I was curious then because you started by saying creative. So was there like a thought process you went through on how to help nonprofits from a creative process that ended up going toward a video or was it a, a quick jump from creatives going, let's just focus on video from the get go. So I have done video professionally since about 2005. And so for me, video has always been the main medium that I have worked in. I uh, went to school for it. I've gotten off and on different jobs and different marketing departments doing video and the big thing for for us is we did see that creative overall was was a big deal for nonprofits, but video specifically had so much work put into it, uh, so many so many different hours, and it it ended up getting a lot more expensive than than a lot of other creative 
opportunities. So we actually looked at at one point of kind of expanding, doing more websites and graphic design. But what we found was there were a lot of options. And this was even before Canva was a big thing, but there were so many different options in that realm. Whereas video, there was just, there was so much of the gear, there was so much of the manpower and the hours put into it that that really was harder for organizations to to work with uh, just due to the complexity of, of video. Yeah, there definitely seems to be a higher bar of entry for video. It's easier to do you know, text websites these days now are a commodity, right? It's really easy to find billions of companies that do websites, even for nonprofits. But video, is there's still a measure of effort that is that not everyone can get into it. There has to be, or I imagine there needs to be a, a lot more hand-holding with video than with other forms of um, marketing and communication because it's not just the, 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 the equipment itself, of course, the cameras and the video equipment and it's the editing and the the, the text, I forget what that word is called, the pop-in text or that splash text that comes up. Like there's a lot of components and elements that make a really good video. So it, it is challenging for someone or for a nonprofit that doesn't have all that capability in-house. And it makes sense to outsource that to people like yourselves. Yeah, it's it's definitely that that complexity and that the idea that with video, you've really got, you've always got to be thinking of both the visual and the audio, and then a lot of times even even the marketing and the scripting, and so it, it does kind of have a lot of a lot of the other mediums kind of built into it. You know, there may be a lot of graphics on top of the video. With video, it does it does get complex, but it also it encompasses a lot of the other other mediums as well. And so you've always got to be cognizant of the of the audio as well as the video, as well as where is the story going. Uh, a lot of times there are graphic graphics involved. A lot of times there are, there are technical aspects that um, you've got to be be made aware of, and so there are there is a lot a lot of complexity to it. So I want to get into some of those details, but I'm curious to know first at a high level, what is the goal of these videos? What are you hoping in the hundred nonprofits you've helped so far? Are there general themes to you know this is more of a appeal type of video or more of a awareness or is it more of an informational type of video? Where do you see those themes or those buckets of the types of videos that you produce for your clients? Yeah, we really try to land in that intersection of fundraising and video. So a lot of our videos are fundraising oriented. Um, it really depends on on the video, but the goals can range from being a part of a specific campaign or used at a, a gala to soften heartstrings before the ask or general brand awareness. Uh, but that tends to be where we've really found a sweet spot is in that is in that fundraising realm. Though we've also done staff training videos and you know silly videos for organizations to use on on different different social media aspects. But we really keep coming back to that intersection of fundraising and video and really trying to share that impact for for the purposes of of growing the organization. Oh, now you open the door. I have to ask, what do you mean by silly videos for social media? Well, I I'll give an example. We worked with a with a United Way one, a couple of years ago, and one of the videos we did for them was a video of their of their campaign share that year dancing to a 
parody video of getting jiggy with it. And um, <laughs> it was it was something else. It was there was no deeper story. There was no call to action. I mean, I think there was a little bit of a call to action at the end, but it was it was purely for kind of celebrating the end of end of that campaign. Uh, so important in its own way, but it uh, it was definitely it was definitely a lot of fun to work with. You know, I, I I don't know much about videos myself in the sense of what makes a good video, but sometimes the ones that you don't think are that interesting end up being really interesting and they go viral for some reasons that I can't, <laughs> that you would know maybe better, better than I would. But it helps if, if your messaging is part of, or if that video is part of the messaging about fundraising, something fun and silly and and um, optimistic and light can be very beneficial to the nonprofit, right? even in, in terms of brand awareness. So uh, that's great. Yeah, so it's it is it is interesting where some of those some of those videos you think aren't that big of a deal do become a big deal, and a lot of it is just the touch points. You want so many different touch points that you're not going to get you're not going to get all donors in one video or one social post or one ask. It's going to be a range of different things, and sometimes sometimes that regular content is just where where you start to build that relationship, and so. Sometimes it is the silly ones that that push it over the edge, but it's on top of a number of other avenues that that you're reaching out to a to a donor or an advocate for that you actually you sometimes those silly videos are the ones that that play really well. Let's take a look from the nonprofit's perspective, right? There's a moment in time when they believe or they realize they need a video, or they're thinking about a video, um, and then they might reach out at that point to you, or not. And I'm curious to know if you could actually walk through the high-level steps. And we'll just keep it high-level at the beginning. We can work our way through to details if we need to. But what would be what is generally your starting point with a nonprofit? Uh, you know, what what phase are they at in terms of what they think they need or what they know they need, and then from there, you know, to the building the script to shooting the shoot, to generating the graphics and the branding, to producing it, to publishing it. Can you, if you just, you know, what are the top five, 10, whatever number of steps it takes, you could walk us through that. That'd be great. From a nonprofit's perspective, it really starts with determining the goal of the project. You know, what is the, what is the end result um, you want to achieve? Uh, from there, we're big believers in collaboration. You know your mission, you know it better than anyone. Um, and while we want to align ourselves with that mission, there's really no substitute for someone that's in it in day in, day out. On the flip side, we know video and we know storytelling and the best way to tell the story of the organization through video. So we're really big on collaborating together, um, achieving great things through that. So it really starts with kind of what is the what's the goal in mind? And some organizations have, they have the goal and they've got it halfway scripted out and ready to go. And others um, just saw an article that said they need video and that's what started the conversation. And so it really is a broad uh, degree of different, um, it's really a broad spectrum of organizations that, that come to us. Uh, but from there, we really work on the scripting of it. This is what would be called pre-production. And so we're working on on who who is it we want to interview? Who is it? What do we want them to say? What's their role in this video? Um, what are different things we can film um, over the course of our of our time there? 
um, and really kind of mapping out what's the ideal product going to be. Like, what if we had everything perfect? What is what does it look like? And from there, it goes into the production phase, and so that is where we're doing filming. Um, a lot of times, maybe some animation and graphics, but uh, most of our work tends to really be focused on that that filming side. So it's it's capturing a roll, which is the the interview portion or the talking to the camera portion. Um, that's the main thrust of of that that story. Um, and then we're we're filming B roll as well, which is kind of the the impact. So it's showing the footage that that highlights the things that are being said in on the A roll side. And so from there, we kind of gather all that together and move into the post production or editing phase. And that's where we're putting it together. We're we're crafting that story. Sometimes we're altering a little bit from the pre-production. Sometimes you get a really great interview that goes a completely different direction than what you thought. And so we really try to keep in the spirit of what we had planned, but sometimes life gets in the way. Sometimes the interview doesn't show up or you have to pivot or sometimes it's it's a good thing. Sometimes we find out something in an interview that even the organization didn't know about. And so we help try to craft that story together in the editing and we send it uh, over to the organization and we kind of collaborate on that, have some platforms that people can log into, comment right on the video. Hey, I don't like this shot. I like this shot. Um, and then we work together to ultimately get to a finished uh, process. You know, this is the first time I've heard an, an explanation for A-roll, B-roll. I, I knew of B-roll before, but I didn't know it, it's called B-roll because the primary footage is called A-roll. It makes now total sense to me. So just to make sure my audience is, is aligned with where my head is at, the A-roll, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, of course, please, Matthew. A-roll is what you're shooting when you're shooting uh, you're filming your target. You're, <laughs> you're shooting your target. You're filming your your principal audience. Maybe they're talking to the camera, and then the B-roll is like the supplementary footage that not, might not necessarily be the audience, the person you're you're filming. It could be uh, the area, or it could be even um, I imagine some kind of generic type of footage that you can get from you know Getty Images or whatnot. That is what I say accurate. Okay, good. Correct. It it, it comes from uh, it comes from the on the editing side, um, if you're using a, a track-based system, uh, editing editing system, the track A is at the bottom, track B is at the top. So it's actually a, a vertical hierarchy when you look at it on the on the editing side. Uh, but it is it's it's that video, it's that those images, B-rolls are those images that are showcasing what you're saying. So if you're at the end of a capital campaign, we're really excited about our new building. When you walk in, you can really see the the light that the windows show. And then as they're saying that, you're showing video of the entrance of the building with the light coming in. So it's right. trying to match it to what that person is saying. And just to, out of curiosity, is there a C role or any other roles or just A and B and that's it? It really is just A and B. It's a, a B can go on for a very long time. And sometimes even A has some, some overlap here and there, but, uh, yeah, it's it's more of a general a general term, but theoretically you could have you could have dozens of of tracks going high, but or going vertical. But mm -hmm. it's uh it is still all considered A roll and B roll. Okay. 
And I'm curious, and so during the editing phase, so you've already, I'm already skipping ahead, but I have a question about the editing phase. I imagine there might be moments where you want to do reshoots as well, right? It's not always first filming uh, sequence is the is the perfect one. Do you, do you manage reshoots or is it, you know, one shoot, that's all we got, let's go with it and like adjust, maybe add more B-roll instead of trying to do another A-roll? Yeah, definitely. Definitely life life does get in the way a lot of times on that. Uh, but you've got uh, a lot of times we will do we will do research re- reshoots. It's it's really trying to get get it right the first time, but again, life gets in the way. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll kind of work with with an organization. And sometimes sometimes the day you come in, you come in on a Tuesday and grabbing a lot of footage and then the there was a program that happens on Thursday mornings once a month, and you're just not there at that time. You know, a lot of times there can be coming coming back and filming that. Uh, sometimes that's that's an opportunity for the organization to pull out their iPhone. We can help them with some settings and grabbing that. Uh, so really, the reshoot side just kind of depends on on what the need is. Uh, but the goal is to plan it out so that we don't we don't have to to go back um, and and do those research reshoots, but um, sometimes sometimes it does get messy. And obviously, because you're you're filming people in person, it's very geographically limited. Is there a particular target area that you cover? Are you are you looking to expand? How does one expand a video company? Like, do you have partners that you work with in other parts of the country or different countries? Like, how do you how do you manage the localization of the whole situation? Yeah, so we started in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, as we as we grew, we started kind of seeing having more of a national presence, if you will. Started going to conferences, meeting with people, um, talking with consultants and partners uh, throughout the country. And so we have we have been able to do a lot of different projects all throughout the U.S. Um, that usually does involve some travel, uh, but we really tried to work with all kinds of different different organizations. But I recently in June moved up to Stanford, Connecticut uh, to start building work out in the Northeast. Um, and so we've worked with organizations from, from the West Coast to the East Coast to uh, everything in between. But really it's, it's, it is, it is, there are options to, to travel. A lot of the gear is getting a lot smaller. It's getting a lot easier to work with. Um, you're not, you're doing a lot less compromise on a travel shoot. Um, the expenses are a lot less. And so there are a lot more options nowadays. And there's even ways of doing some virtual filming um, with organizations to, to achieve that without work. But we've, we've worked with organizations um, all across the U S and then we're, we're starting to develop some relationships um, both in Canada and in, in the UK, but we're, Working, working through that as we speak. I'm happy you said Canada. I am. My ears definitely perked up with that one. Uh, that's good. And you're right. I definitely uh, camera f- equipment is getting smaller and smaller, which is great without compromising quality. It's amazing. Even on the camera's phone these days, you know, they're, they're getting pretty good with zoom lenses. So I imagine with a something you know five times larger, you can get some really really good quality stuff. Yeah, the gear is getting is getting smaller. Uh, I, the amount of times that I end up filming on my phone while the rest of my team is running around with a uh, with a bigger camera uh, becomes more and more. To be honest, especially with some of the recent recent updates, uh, you know, it's waterproof. I mean, there's all kinds of of aspects to the phone that is that makes it uh, interesting. 
Um, and, then we, and then also that client review process has become so ingrained online. And even if we're doing work for an organization we worked with for years in Knoxville, where most of our team is, we're still on a Zoom call with them. So we're still working with them via Zoom uh, with maybe some in-person meetings here and there. So it's really just that production aspect that that requires the travel aspect uh, or it's really just that production side that requires travel. And so the way that the world has gotten smaller, the way that, that people can interact uh, via Zoom over, over podcast interviews, it's really become democratized for everyone to be able to do, to build relationships outside of the small area that you're in. Absolutely. Which is amazing for on all fronts because then they get the the best of the best as opposed to the people that are just local to them. And then you're able to provide that service to a wider range. And yeah, you can, I'm sure with the process and I'm sure you've already worked on the process that there's a lot can happen before. Like you said, the pre-production and the post-production, it's really just the production itself that has to be on site. And, and that is a much smaller portion that it ever used to be uh, with all these great remote tools. So Correct. I'm curious then, it's it's very typical that whenever you produce a video, it, there's some kind of story to it. And I'm curious to know, is is really storytelling the only way to, to convey a message? Or how would you do it? Or would you do it in the same kind of way for more of an inform- more informational type of video? Like a, There are obviously psychological reasons why uh, we as humans like stories. It, it resonates more with us and how we, how we share information. But I wanted to, to see if there was a a niche, a sliver of certain kinds of videos that don't really need to tell a story and here's why? That's an interesting question. I think there's, yeah, there are, there are videos that, that don't necessarily have to tell a story, that don't have that story aspect to them. Uh, a lot of times they're a lot more logical or informational in nature. Um, but I think, I think a, good, a good informational video still has that emotion to it. You're still trying to um, appeal to multiple different um, ways that we think through things, that we we're thinking through them in a logical and an emotional way, uh, which is kind of the beauty of video is it does kind of have both of that, that logical and that emotion built into it. Um, so there are, there are videos that, that don't need to tell a story. Um, but I think I think some of the better ones that are that are not direct informational um, do have um, a story in it, and and that can be that can be integrated into all kinds of videos and communications. Um, but the story stories are not only inspiring, but they also help people absorb the important info. So maybe you have that that information video, but then you have aspects of a story inside of it, so that you. Um, can uh, attach and, and be more memorable to 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 the. You can attach that story to the information so that it becomes more memorable. I think you made a good call out in that. As long as it has an emotional aspect to it, whether it's a story based or informational based, it's the emotion that will help carry the message. And um, and I agree, absorbing information in terms of a story is, is the reason why we love stories so much because we just seem to remember stories more as people than just a here is A and here is B and here is C in a very robotic type of way. So 
I'm getting curious to know what other elements are do you find are needed or are a good thing or should be highlighted in order to make a good video besides that emotional side, besides the um, the storytelling when appropriate. Are there any kind of like cool graphics or animations or some things that you noticed that tend to make a video be better and better meaning achieving their purpose? Yeah. Go, going back to the goal of the video, that's really the key is, is, you know, what makes a video good really depends on what, what the goal is. You know, video is a very broad medium that includes everything from a Martin Scorsese feature length film to a quick clip of a staff member helping someone. And so really good video is one that, you know, kind of achieves what that, what that goal is. Um, but overall, what I think makes a good video for a nonprofit is one that shows the impact. Uh, it shows you're helping the community. It shows it in a way that's dignifying to both the organization and the people they are helping. So really that that showing the impact. It and sometimes sometimes there are some some graphic elements that that really that really work well, but we've really found that that authentic storytelling of of showing the organization at work and then contextualizing it with an interview, contextualizing it with the history of the organization. Um, but it really comes down to showing, and, and that can be pictures or, or video, but really showing that organization at work um, and really making that difference is something that goes a long way to, to, pulling, to pulling those heartstrings and kind of showing rather than telling, I guess would be the, the short way of saying it. So what I'm hearing is the font size, the animation, the, the, the shiny object type of situation is really not as important as, not even close to as important as the impact, the showing the impact and being authentic part. So, because I know some people really get focused on, and I'm one of those people sometimes, on some of the details that really end up being not so important or relevant or contextual to the situation versus on, let's make sure we got these core elements in place and the graphics and all those little shiny little things will fall into place, but let's not focus too much on those because they don't have the impact or significance as we think it might have. Correct, correct. I, it the the shiny uh, the shiny parts of the video they do help. They do help kind of get the get the ball rolling at the beginning, and they do help to kind of highlight things that you want the the audience to. Pay attention. So, if you really want them to pay attention to the specific part coming up, you may use a, a, a shiny graphic to um, to catch the eye so that they're paying extra attention during during that spot. Um, but it is it is ultimately it is ultimately shiny. It is ultimately not the the entire point of the video, and that's what makes nonprofits specific. And it makes makes nonprofits uh, special in a way is that they're dealing directly with that human experience and uh, they're mm -hmm. dealing directly with um, making that impact. Um, and so where, where the for-profit world needs a lot more shiny to showcase the things that they're selling, the things that a nonprofit sells is impact in the community. And so you don't, you don't have to, add extra shiny elements. Um, and sometimes, sometimes even the, 
the interview portions or the testimonials, you know, sometimes they have a rough edge to them. Sometimes there's authenticity to it. You know, not every story is following a, a full hero's journey. And so you have, you have realness to, to what the nonprofit is quote unquote selling. And I think, I think by highlighting the impact through, through B-roll, through testimonials that, that pull at the heartstrings, you, you have less and less of a need to add the shiny to it. You know, maybe it's sprinkle here and there to focus the attention. Uh, but nonprofits have things that the for-profit world doesn't, and that's, that's actual impact. That's a really good call-out as well. Um, like even in this podcast, I don't have a lot of shiny things, right? There's no fancy intro, there's no fancy music or outro. It's about the content. It's about being authentic. And even when we, I do have certain edits that I do make, I don't like hyper-edited podcasts, at least not for the nonprofit space, because there needs to be, in my opinion, a certain element of genuinicity, genuinicity? Portion that's genuine, so that it, it's more, it resonates more with the audience, as opposed to this is like super clean and slick, and it does all these you know beautiful things, but it loses that personalization, that, that authentic side of things. So that's, um, I'm happy to see that carries over it makes total sense to me. It carries over to other mediums besides just podcasting. Mm-hmm. So tell me then, once the video is produced and the, and the goal is achieved, like what are some of the outcomes you've seen in terms of the benefits of, of producing a video? Like if it's really for, let's take the, the simple or the most common use case of fundraising, right, you have a video, it's a couple of minutes long, let's say, I don't know, and then it's released into the wild. You know, what would be... Is it common for nonprofits to see a, a good return on their investment, or is it a, a type of an awareness? Like, what are some of the success stories that you can share uh, with us in terms of what um, some of these videos can accomplish? Yeah, it's a it's a tough. A lot of times, it's a tough thing to to measure measure that that engagement. You know, whether it's you know something shown shown at a at a gala. Sometimes it's hard to sometimes it's hard to see the direct impact that video is making. But we have seen organizations use, use video in some very interesting, interesting ways when it comes to fundraising. Uh, we worked with an organization a few years ago, develop a, a video for their capital campaign. And the video is kind of showcasing, here's, here's where we're going. We're going to renovate a, a big building. Here's here's the where the building is at. Here's where we hope to hope it will be from a look perspective. But then also here's the benefit we think it will have on the community. Uh, did some testimonials of people that had already been benefited uh, had already benefited from the building, even though it hadn't even been built. Um, it was a it was a very uh, long standing nonprofit, so you could make that connection to. The impact they could have if they had a, a better space. One thing we did with that project is we had separate intros to different donor groups. And so some of them were existing donors to the organization. Some of them were business community leaders. Uh, but we had two videos that we did, one to the county mayor and one to the city mayor. And what that did was it allowed the organization to have an in to those mayors. So the the Video itself was the same video that went out to the public, but it, it had a 10 to 15 second intro that was just the executive director and the campaign chair standing 
in one of the rooms that, that they were going to renovate and said, we've worked with you in the past and we, we'd love to tell you a little bit about this new opportunity we have and would love for you to watch this video and we'd love to schedule a time to talk more. It was that simple. Went straight into the rest of the video that the rest of the public saw. But because of that, it really helped them open the door to having that meeting with with the county mayor who had some extra funds he could put towards their capital campaign. And so really, really made a pretty significant impact in a way that it wouldn't have if it was just generic. And so there are ways to kind of add that personalization in there and then kind of be able to bring that impact, bring that that testimonial to the mayor, to donors that you wouldn't necessarily have if you had to take that interview door to door. And so it really it can multiply the impact um, that you would have in an in-person meeting by investing in that, um, that storytelling aspect. Why do you think it's difficult to measure the, because what I heard is it, it's sometimes difficult to measure the success of a video. So I, I imagine there's no, like people would not start donating toward a nonprofit because they indicate, oh, I saw this video and therefore I was motivated to donate. It, it does, I get the impression at least, that it's a little more indirect than that. And is that the reason why it's hard to measure the, the exact ROI of a particular video? Or is there some other factors that make it just more challenging, but it tends to be more maybe a matter of timing that, let's say, a nonprofit doesn't have that much marketing going on. They release this wonderful video into the wild, and then all of a sudden they see an uptick in donations, and they just associate those donations that are not, you know, not necessarily or directly connected to any other marketing campaigning that, oh, it must have been because of the video. Like, is there, where was the gray zone in, in knowing or, or trying to figure out what is the ROI of a video? Yeah, I think you're right. It's, there are aspects that you can measure if it's tied to a specific campaign, if there's a specific call to action that is clear for that video. If your goal is awareness, then, you know, tracking, tracking views. But it is usually a part of a larger marketing effort, a larger fundraising effort. You know, we've had really great video that has, we've had really great videos that we've had at different um, gala events that where the, where the gala itself raised a lot of money. And there are ways to position the video in a way that you can put it right before the call to action so that you're softening those heartstrings before you ask ask them for money. And so there are ways of kind of making it work specifically for fundraising, but it, it can be harder to track that engagement because you really just have, if it's online, you really have view count. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty big number that doesn't always get narrowed down. Um, and you can have, if it, again, if it's part of a specific campaign, you can you can be able to track that, but it is tough when the organization's had a 30, 35 year gala. There are aspects of it that have that the video plays an important part, and there's an aspect of it where the it's that it's this donor's twelfth time coming, and they've been giving for a while, and, and maybe that maybe that video raised raised the tide overall of the the 
organizations, maybe that video raised the tide overall for the donor's desire to give. Um, but it is harder to track where those where those gifts came because of the video and where they came because of general brand awareness. So I think that's that's where it's kind of tough. There's starting to become more platforms for engaging exactly who watched the video or using some IP magic to figure out if someone watched this video and then donated. Um, a lot of that, we have not dug a lot into, into that side of things. Um, a lot of times because there's not always that complete integration into the other tools that a um, organization would have. So if there's, if there are uh, some tech platforms out there that really want to integrate video into the, into the donor CRMs, I'm, I'm all for trying to see if there are ways to increase that uh, measurement of engagement. I think to your point though, it usually is part of a larger campaign that helps, you know, you said tug on the, um, pull on the heartstrings, which I think is a good analogy. And, and it just, it's clear that video can have a, a dramatic impact, but it's sometimes hard to your point of measuring the exact impact, but it's, it's part of the bigger story, part of the bigger context, part of the bigger messaging. And, and that's really what it comes down to. So. I'm also curious then, because I'm looking at the time, making sure we got just enough for this last question, because AI is now the rage these days. Everybody's talking about AI in some way or form. I'm curious to know if and how you use AI to help you or to create some kind of leverage in the way that you produce videos. Yeah, it, it's definitely an exciting time with uh, with AI um, exponentially growing um, in its in its ability and in the things that it can do, you know, we're, we are not using a ton of AI right now. Um, sometimes what we do is we'll use it for kind of getting this, getting started on maybe some scripting language or a description of a video, you know, really trying to get the ball rolling, um, on creating content. We've really used it as a way to kind of start the ball rolling on some, some content, uh, production on the on the pre-production side or on our internal marketing side, and really just as a way to kind of I generate different ideas. I'm specifically I am not I'm not a great idea generator. I'm really great at taking an idea and editing it down and kind of working with it. And so AI has been helpful in starting off the process uh, on the pre-production side. And then I think as as things go grow, there is more AI being built into the production tools that we use on, on the editing side. So there's a lot of analyzing different footage. So instead of ta us taking time to walk through and find all of the, all the footage of kids playing outside, we can, there, are, there are AI tools out there and being built into software to analyze all of the clips and automatically add those keywords. Some of it's a, a few years off or even a few months off, um, and some of it's kind of getting there. But there are those tools that kind of help automate a lot of the, the regular day in, day out stuff. And then we're also using it to do a lot of translation um, aspects. And so we've, we've done a number of different projects in 
in Spanish. And what's what's interesting is our team, I think a couple of our team members have a very, very basic, maybe high school level of Spanish. Um, but because of using using different different tools to to translate the video to convert that translation over. It's not a perfect translation, but it allows us to kind of edit the video in a loose way and then kind of work with the organization to narrow down specifically where that translation went wrong. And so I know there's a little bit of little bit of AI built into that that is really helping us work in different in a couple different languages like that, which is is very interesting. But a lot of a lot of the the AI stuff that you see to create images from from scratch. For us, it hasn't impacted us as much. Um, and maybe that's because we are in that that nonprofit world where we really don't want to show anyone handing out um, bags of food. We want to show the staff members and the and the people that are that are doing the work. And so a lot of that that I don't know if that's generative AI or, or what it would that AI that is is creating things from nothing. It it's not affecting us as much because we want that authenticity. Um, but really, using them as tools to using AI as tools to speed up the process to help us work better internally, and then therefore we can extend that that benefit onto onto the nonprofit. And so, really, that's the biggest thing we've used AI for is just making us more effective in both the pre-production and the editing side. It sounds like a very common use case, you know, giving you your first draft of a script, for example, or you know, refining certain elements and or translating. I use it in the exact same way for the way that I do things. So it's interesting to see how that transfers and carries over to other, other industries, other domains. Listen, this has been great, Matthew. Thank you so much for joining me. I wanted to make sure that people had a chance to reach out to you if they have questions. So how can they get in touch with you if they had more questions or if they're interested in, in getting a video made done by you? Yeah, so our, our website is rusticroots.co. That's without the M on, on, the, on the end there. And um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I uh, really love that as a, as a platform and a network. Um, been able to build a lot of a lot of relationships solely through LinkedIn, and so try to be on there as much as I can, sharing different different information, uh, kind of interacting with people. And so LinkedIn is probably the best way. But if you want to kind of see some of the work we've done, it's uh, at rusticroots.co. Awesome, Matthew. Thank you so much for joining me today. I right, thank you. All right, that's it for today. I'm Alexander Lapa, and I hope you join me again in the next Agents of Nonprofit.